Welcome to Raised on D&D Podcast. Raised on D&D brings you inspirational interviews with tips and strategies to enrich your family's gaming experience. Your host for Raised on D&D has been a dungeon master for over 30 years and a father to three gamers. Here is Nick Carrelli. Welcome back, gamers. I'm your host, Nick Cardarelli, and this is Raised on D&D. My next guest is originally from Memphis, Tennessee, and currently lives in Phoenix, Arizona. His work with teen gamers was featured in the article Dungeons and Dragons and Torah. He is an educator at Arizona State University. He is currently promoting the use of Dungeons and Dragons and other RPGs to help mental health in children and adults. Please welcome Jeremiah Kaplan. Hi, Jeremiah. Hey, how are you? Good, and you, thanks for being on the show. Absolute pleasure, thank you. We wanna kinda get to know you a little bit as a gamer. So can you tell us, can you take us back to when you started playing role-playing games or Dungeons and Dragons? So I've had an interest in role-playing games since before I even played them because my father is a fan of Tolkien and Heinlein and Asimov and a few of these other stuff that I grew up on. So in the year 2000, I'd graduated high school and had moved on and started working at uh, the, the family business with my brother. And, and uh, I, had a, I had a band, actually, a, a rock band I played bass in. And my first gaming group was actually one of our close friends, and then it became my band. So I would go to band practice Friday night, which was at the warehouse house where I worked and then you know we'd make a whole bunch of noise and then we'd go back to my apartment and um, <laughs> we would play uh, Werewolf the Apocalypse, we would play Dungeons and Dragons 3rd and 3rd uh, 3.5, uh, we would play Shadowrun, um, some of these uh, Vampire the Masquerade, so some of the old World of Darkness stuff was where I kind of cut my teeth a little bit but my first actual gaming experience of role-playing games was D&D 3.0, and that was right as it came out. Um, spent two and a half air, uh, hours creating Lucian Nailo, my first level wizard, and a crit from a bugbear's Morningstar took care of that real quick. So we then <laughs> made my first werewolf character. Um, but anyway, so that was my, my first experience. That's fantastic. Yeah, early 2000s, um, we were all loving uh, World of Darkness, and then the resurgence of Dungeons and Dragons Third brought it back into the uh, more into the mainstream. Uh, we saw a lot of older gamers come back to the game, and we saw a lot of brand new players come to the game. So it was an exciting time that 2000s, uh, 99. So you started uh, playing, but fast forwarding, you're a dad now, right? I am a dad. And, and ironically, the <laughs> so the, the the first game that I played in, that, that character got squished, and then I played in the game for a couple of weeks. And then after that, uh, I literally have been pretty much the hashtag forever DM since then. And so I have a daughter, and she is five years old, and a son who just turned three. And so when my daughter Sophie was about three, we were starting to do... Uh, little bits of just back and forth storytelling, uh, Rory's story cubes and uh, whatever nighttime storybook I could get her to, to read and to listen to, um, reading little chapter books like some of the things that I grew up with, uh, Brian Jock, Redwall, for instance. Um, <laughs> and so we started going back and forth and telling little stories and making things up. She was a big fan of Princess Sophia the first. <laughs> and so we would go back and just make, make stuff up. 
Um, when she turned four, we started doing little things with dice and I'd roll the die and have her tell me what number it was. And then fast forward to today, she has a first level elf wizard who is the daughter of my first character because she was asking me all about my experiences. And so uh, as an early reader, she's five and reading the player's handbook and reading the spells and, and doing stuff. Um, and so my son, Incredible. Zachary, who just turned three, is like watching us every once in a while, look, has, you know, turns his head sideways like, what's this what's that i'm like oh boy we're there let's do it <laughs> yep. yep and the older sibling uh getting that one-on-one -on -one gaming and they go oh i want to be a part of this that's great that's great yep. and very very similar with mine uh, mine are a little bit older they're 14 they're 12 and 11 and little stair steps same thing we started with the story times with the interactive bedtime stories um, mine love to have their favorite franchise featured in the story time and they loved crossovers. So we'd have the Scooby gang on the Starship <laughs> Enterprise, all this stuff. I'm doing my best to do impersonations and they're coming up with stories and we're going back and forth and the same thing led to the game table and learning uh, numbers and dice. Right. It was great. So it's terrific. So, and that's where, that's where you're at right now in that exciting first step. So as the, DM dad, do you have a bugbear prepared for her elf wizard? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, I, actually, it was not a bugbear. It was a troll. Hmm. And if you can picture the troll from the Harry Potter series early on, the one with the bathroom scene, yes. um, I did my best to recreate some of that with the sweaty, snotty, just smelly troll with a bad breath um, in her wizarding school course a floating tower and the whole nine just to make it that much more fantastic and um so that was one of the stories and actually we were on vacation um i forget where we were at but we were staying at this little hotel during one of our vacations and uh it was nap time for my son and so she's like dad you brought your books i'm like well yeah you want to play? So yeah. So i i just kind of had to make that up on the fly and it was just about taking something that that she could relate with already and then connecting to that and building from there because the more she enjoys it now, the more I'm going to be able to, to, to incorporate other aspects of like, Oh, we're, now I've got a campaign idea. I want you to play in this campaign as opposed to just, well, how can I make this perfect for you in this moment? So, um, you know, we're, we're evolving and, uh, and that's, that's what it's about. You know, you start, you start where they're at, you meet them where they're at. That's a huge conversation in behavioral health conversations is you meet people where they're at and kids are so absolutely that way. You, you have to, you have to get down to their level and find out what it is. And if they don't understand something, cool, we'll try again. How about this way? Does this make sense? How did you decide you wanted to bring Dungeons and Dragons into the classroom at your temple with teens and tweens? with religious education. So that's a long story. <laughs> okay. I'll give you as, as much of the cliff notes as possible. Great. Uh, so I mentioned earlier that I worked for my brother. It was essentially high-end home automation, uh, very high-tech, high-equipment, things like that. So um, a lot of fun, very fast-paced, and I, I had a lot of really amazing learning that happened just on – uh, on the chopping block, uh, under the under fire, so to speak, just trial by fire, and then went back. Uh, even got um, an undergraduate degree in computer aided drafting and design and uh, graphic design, things like that. So I could do business development, marketing, and all, social media management. So all sorts of fun stuff. Um, I just did not have the daily fulfillment that I did 
teaching bass lessons to kids that needed it. And it was, I just wasn't getting that same thing. And then I started teaching Sunday school at Temple Chai and like, well, really volunteering at first, just because I didn't feel like I was, um, I, I didn't know what I had to offer. And uh, I just cared and wanted to do something. And so I went back to night school for the second time. This time I got my second undergraduate in human services. And this is a combination of social work and public health. Okay. And from there moved into being a, a trainer an educator. I worked for Taros health for about four and a half years. I was their lead trainer. And this is a very large nonprofit in the Valley, um, 1100 employees, uh, actually wow. really statewide. So being their lead trainer, um, after working actually in the field, working as a clinical individual. So working uh, with families that were in the CPS system here in the state of Arizona, and then working as a case manager in the SMI population. So these are individuals with a serious mental illness. And being able to sort of translate everything that I had ever learned into teaching in whatever company I've worked for, whether it was my brother's company or, or Taros or even at ASU now, um, it's about breaking concepts down so that people can understand them and teach them. Mm -hmm. And so starting out as just a, a music teacher, you know, on the side, having fun, you know, I would, it wasn't for the money. <laughs> um, <laughs> but now I'm, I'm an educator in a field that makes me feel um, that I'm making a difference in the community in which I serve. And then, so this is my fourth year now, actually, no, I'm sorry, fourth or fifth year teaching at Temple High's um, religious school. And so the first couple of years I was running the elective, uh, the guitar elective. So teaching kids how to play guitar a little bit, but more really it was kind of an exploration of Jewish music mm -hmm. and modern and um, ancient Jewish melodies and tunes and things like that. So bringing my passion for history and Judaism, so my own spirituality, my own as, as an individual, but also bringing that together with my love of teaching kids kind of just lent me to that path. Um, it went okay. Um, had a couple of students every year and it was, it was okay, but it wasn't really um, something that I could connect with from a, a high passion level after doing all of these wonderful things with the, the world of human services and all this. I'm like, gosh. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at ways to, to make things kind of gel a little bit more. So I'm, I have to give 100% of the credit to me teaching Dungeons and Dragons at religious school to my wife. Really? It was her idea. Wow. She, cause I, I mean, I've been, been running games for, you know, 20 years and uh, I've got my every other Sunday game with a couple of guys and one of them, actually, several of them are dads, but one of them is also in the Jewish community and, and his wife and my wife know each other. They actually hooked us up. That's how I got this group. So I thank my wife again for that one. But um, I was talking to her about how I really was, I mean, music has always been an underlying theme of my life and my own spirituality, but as a teacher, uh, you know, it, it didn't have the same weight to me anymore as it used to um, because there's so many more important things that, I, that I'm able to teach about now and that I'm more passionate about mindfulness, compassion, fatigue, burnout, all of these wonderful mental health concepts about uh, this is my career now. So I was basically unpacking this with her one night and she said, well, why don't you just run a D&D &D game for, for the religious school? And I was like, wait, what? Oh, okay. Um, sure. Like, 
tell me more. Like, what do you think? What do you think? What, what's, what's the expectation here? And she said, well, I don't know. You could just, it's a, it's an elective, you know, it's not part of the Hebrew school element of it. So I'm sure you could put a religious spin on that. And I'm like, tell me more. And then it's like, oh, over the course of a single evening, we had this whole idea like fleshed out. I, I put together some curriculum and um, put it together and talked about the Jewish values and put together um, what I wanted the, the children to get out of it from an education standpoint, right? As an instructional designer, I think about learning objectives and the curricula development itself and how to tie those into the values that need to be distilled from the particular Torah portion or whatever. But the whole goal was basically to, to, to get in front of young people or young adults and say, okay, I am not the old guy with the beard that's going to say, in this week's toy portion, we're going to talk about the end. That's just not me. Granted, at this point, I am the old guy with a beard and it's getting gray. But <laughs> at the very least, I can say, now roll initiative. Right. So, <laughs> um, but it's, it's been using this Dungeons and Dragons as a collaborative storytelling platform. Now, I don't use it raw. Um, I don't use it rules as written. There's a couple plugins that I use and I'm happy to give some shout outs to credit where credit is due. Uh, Hankrin, Runehammer, I see RPG has a couple of plugins, the room DC, the, the turn-based format um, because these, these sessions were 45 minutes a piece. Um, I'm used to running games with my friends for five hours and family right. members, you know, things like that. Well, I, my daughter can sit still and, and play a game with me for two hours and, and complain that it's what's it's time for dinner. No. <laughs> um, so I'm taking, you know, fifth, sixth and seventh graders in a 45 minute jaunt through history here. So you're using Dean D and D rule system, but you're taking the children through the history of the Torah in the Jewish tradition um, the, or the Christian Old Testament for our Christian listeners, and you're taking them through the stories. Tell us some of the other adventures that, that, you, that you've taken them on that tie into stories of the Torah or the Old Testament. Sure. Um, my goal for the first campaign was to test the waters. Okay. And the biggest thing that I was, I was doing was I explored with some other Jewish educators that work with young adults and young people that are very much aware of the, the, the shortcomings or the, the gaps in connection and relationships with these, these aged um, individuals and trying to figure out, well, what's, where's the gap, right? I mean, the, the whole idea of, of, you know, finding the gap um, is, 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 it's critical, especially when you're engaging with someone that they're not sure they want anything from you. Mm-hmm. You got to make sure that you've done your homework. And if you haven't, it's going to show. So working with a couple of other educators and a couple of other rabbis here in town and in other places that I know through social media and some other individuals that I've connect with, connected with on Facebook um, through this process. Um, well, some, some good groups on Facebook and some good close connections here. But basically, I had people tell me, yeah, these, these kids, they don't, they don't know the basics. That if I say Abraham, they say, yeah, that's that the guy that did the thing with the thing, right? And that's okay. Um, I, I make no assumptions walking into it. Again, meet people where they're at. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I started at the basics and said, okay, I'm going to teach people about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses. And if I can get through those four and tell some good stories, it's a win. Okay. So I started out literally... Uh, the, the first thing was I, I had them um, 
Okay, so I stole a page, as you do. Hey, imitate, imitate the greats, and I'm fully acknowledging this was a complete theft. <laughs> Intellectual property aside, thank you, I think TSR at this point, but the D&D the, the &D, uh, cartoon, right? They get on an amusement park ride, and they get whisked away to this wonderful adventure. Well, so I had them at Bar Mitzvah Club, which was basically you know similar for their age group. They're thinking about their bar and bar mitzvahs, and so I said, and then they, um, they got whisked away and found themselves in an early Bronze Age tavern with a whole bunch of guys that were picking on a younger man by the name of Japheth, whose father, some crazy yokel, was out there in the middle of a field building a boat. And... <laughs> So the idea was, um, in the Jewish tradition, the flood was sent because of the way that mankind was interacting with one another and the way man treated uh, his or her fellow man. And so we, we look at the, the lesson to be learned from this is that we should be treating each other well. So I put them in, immediately in a situation where they had to learn the role-playing aspect of standing up for this young man who was being picked on by these, um, you know, these burly farmers or whatever. I mean, it was, it was kind of just... Um, it was very much just, okay, I'm going to put them in a situation and see what happens. And um, the, the goal of that was just to teach them that there are other ways to solve problems besides violence. Now, we had some great action scenes. Don't kid, the, the, the Torah, the Old Testament is filled with all kinds of really – I mean, you want to see some action scenes? Read Judges, right? Samson was an epic strong man. You've got Deborah. You've got Ehud. You've got a few other sort of – well – I'm giving away my campaign content here, but, um, but that's, that's the point is that in doing the research for this, I found out stuff that I didn't know. And I feel like I'm fairly well versed or educated in some of this. And, and it's always well, surprising I, to, I would know think you don't that, know. Uh, I would think the adventure ideas are so plentiful. I mean, the reconnaissance on Jericho before the siege. I mean, all of those things right. um, would be amazing for players to be able to, to participate in. Now, uh, going back to your bar scene before the flood, did the children surprise you in the way that they approached the objective and the scenario? Were you, were you kind of shocked at, at some of the ideas that they came up with? <laughs> Well, I, the first thing somebody said was, is there a knife around? Because I want to pick it up and use it. <laughs> and I said, hmm, okay. Um, did, like, was this Fortnite or Call of Duty? What, what, was, the, what was the source of it? I don't know. But um, I kind of stopped and said, all right. So they're, they're picking on this guy. It, it, no, there's no knife anywhere near you. Um, besides, if you found one, it would be made of bronze. And I actually had brought some props. So my, my grandmother of blessed memory was um, – was a sculptor, an artist, a painter, uh, worked with metal. And so she had this cast bronze piece that she had made for me when I was in Cub Scouts. It was um, a little cub. And so I brought that with me. I mean, it's just a couple inches tall, but it's a solid bronze cast piece that she had sculpted the, the mold and, and, and made for me. And so I brought it with me and, and passed it around. Like, this is what bronze is, guys. Like, and it was just like, wait a minute, what is this? Um, so once I got them sort of distracted by the bronze, you know, by the bronzeness of this thing, then I could say, well, looking at the, the values that we're trying to talk about here about, you know, so pukua nefesh is, is, a, is, a, is a Jewish term about the value, the sanctity of life. Well, how else could you approach this? And eventually the, um, the one a uh, young lady that was in the class, the participant said, okay, well, it was her turn. So she said, all right, these guys are all 
dealing with the farmers and every, everyone's pretty well good and distracted. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea where she's going with this, but right. So she says, okay, great. I grab Japheth by the arm and we go out the front door. Oh, wait. And so they start booking it. And so um, I thought this would be a pretty cool time. So I had my laptop with me, of course, that I had a little bit of music in the background, just kind of a quiet ambient, like, you know, fun, exciting combat music, whatever. Cause they were, you know, they were, picking a fight. So I was like, all right, we're, we're going to run with this. And, you know, even if you make a bad decision, there's still something to be learned from it. And that's the key. So not saying they had made a bad decision. It wasn't the one I was hoping for, but we still learned something. And that was the key. So she's outside and I click the button on my keyboard to start the second YouTube video to overlap the combat music of a thunderstorm. Because they knew, I mean, they had heard Noah, so like, oh, we know this guy, oh, we know this story, we we know, we know, we know. And I said, okay, 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 <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, and so uh, all all of them kind of stopped for a second. Wait, do we hear the rain? I turned up the volume on the YouTube video that had the rain. Like, oh yeah, you hear it. Like, oh, we gotta get out of here. I'm like, okay, the farmers chase you. Wait, what? <laughs> well, you just picked a fight with them. There are consequences, guys. Come on, and we just, we had a good time. And then, um, when we came back the following week, we finished the scenario, they got to the Noah's Ark and they got on the boat and then I had them kind of quantum leap into the next story. And we moved on from there. Um, the, the whole thing had this, I was having them go back and get, um, you know, some clues to put them together, to get a word of power, to help, um, you know, the, the person that sent them back through time is, as a, as a, as a Jewish sort of leader from the, uh, 16th century, I think it was sort of, I guess it'd be 1530 something, uh, essentially the, uh, the Maharal of Prague, the one who creates the golem in, in the, the Jewish story. So I basically sent, had him send them on the adventure to get these words of power together so he could animate the golem because his old body was not enough to follow through the, the sands of time to travel into antiquities to our forefathers. And so kind of had this whole thing, of course, the letter with the wax seal that I gave them all to have a little keepsake. And so they were collecting little tidbits of knowledge throughout antiquities to come back. And the final session, they animated the golem and helped to defend the, the ghetto of Prague from the, uh, the, the evil sorceress, um, you know, bad guy. So big bad evil guy. <laughs> so it worked in this instance in regard of using D and D to teach I'm pulling the, I'm pulling my information from quote, what I call primary sources. Mm-hmm. And so this has to do, I literally pull out my Chumash, my, my Torah, right. Or actually more appropriately because I'm doing campaign planning. That's going to span longer stories is my Tanakh, which is the idea of the, the old Testament plus all of the um, prophets and the writings. So we're talking about Psalms and then the stories and campaigns of King David and, and David and his mighty men, David and Goliath. But then we're also talking about, um, you know, the judges. And like, I was, I was teasing out, like, I can't wait to run Ehud. I, I just can't wait. Do you have, do you know any idea who Ehud is? Uh, refresh me. Okay. So, Ehud was a man who was born and his right arm was crippled. So um, when yes. he I don't want to spoil it. You go ahead. Right? No. So he goes in to the, the Moabite king who had ins- has yet again another enslavement of Jewish people. Um, and he's there to deliver a message. They pat down his left hand side because that's where you keep your blade with a strong right arm. Well, he had a, a, a curved blade the size of a, cub, a cubit length, so size of his, his forearm on his right side because he had a strong left hand. Um, and uh, I bring with me a message from our God. 
and loses the blade and the fat of the massively overweight, corpulent, just nasty mobile king slays him and um well of course there's a yay a victory for the jewish people and there's that fun um but these are the kinds of stories that don't get the publicity that they deserve because can you imagine somebody playing that role in in the in the big screen and like this being a hollywood block but well, yeah like that sounds really cool and all the little intricacies around this behind the scenes and all that and um the the player characters are going to be essentially the escorts that tried to get him through and you've got to get him in there get you know he's got a blade on him but you, you can't let him get caught you can't let him get caught and everything the players do is going to get for all this and then all of a sudden he's going to get through anyway because they don't pat the right side and they're gonna be like, oh. so yeah. i know the story because my middle son is left-handed and, oh, cool. um and some uh when he was younger he it was a a source of uh insecurity because he didn't know a lot of left-handed people. He was like, you, you're right-handed, mom's right-handed, uh, sis and brother are right-handed, I'm the only left-handed. Mm-hmm. And so I told him the story in all Dungeon Master cinematic narrative and let him know that how the left-handed hero was underestimated and uh, because right. of that was able to succeed in his mission and rescue the Jewish people. So, uh, so that's how, how I... Uh, I know that story. So, That's how you were able to take something that your son needed to hear, provide it to him in a way that he could relate with, and be meet him where he was and where his needs were, and make him feel good about himself. That's right. Bingo. That's right. Thank you. Now you have uh, another objective. You're wanting to take the the therapeutic aspect of tabletop role playing games to people who need it most when it comes to mental health. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I'd love to. Part of what I'm doing is the idea of using D&D is, it's a name grabber. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I do love the fifth edition. I think it's the best edition yet, most streamlined. Um, so I'm excited to use that and the publicity. Especially, I mean, come on, with, with Critical Role and Matthew Mercer, Chris Perkins, um, Satine Phoenix, and uh, Matthew Colville, Hankrin. I mean, there's there's a hundred names I could name out there that are... Nick Cartarelli, even. I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> you throw them all out there. <laughs> Bingo. And, uh, and, there, and there are other smaller names that, that aren't mentioned as often. The Geek Preacher, the Educational DM. And these are important people that are on social media that are doing really good things game to grow Madonna group um hawk robinson up in washington some of these people don't know who i am so a lot of them do though i've connected with a lot of them so um the idea is that we're, we're trying to use games for good and so my my hope i don't know i don't it's my I, my my internal mission statement is stories that heal stories that teach stories that bring us together. And that's my motto, my mission statement. Um, everything that I want out of life as an instructor at ASU, as a father, as a husband, as a teacher, as someone who wants to do these kinds of things is that to use stories for good. And that's the start. Moving from there, um, I've enjoyed the heck out of the Sunday school thing. And I was actually invited to teach again. Um, so the Jewish Community Center of Manhattan, JCC Manhattan's invited me to teach this course in the fall again. So I'm uh, working with a, with a virtual tabletop platform. Uh, I won't name names uh, at this point because I haven't fully decided on it. I think I'm there, but I'm going to be uh, doing virtual tabletop and uh, Zoom to be able to host uh, this 
again with two different groups from them uh, this fall. So I'll be running three different groups in the fall. Um, And then beyond that, uh, my graduate work is going to be using collaborative storytelling in the therapeutic sense. So the idea of, from a clinical standpoint, hopefully using um, collaborative storytelling, role playings, et cetera, uh, as an interventive method for at-risk youth and adolescents uh, related to uh, lessening the symptoms of anxiety, depression, um, and also really to, to mitigate the effects of trauma, uh, especially when we talk about childhood trauma or um, under the age of 18 trauma, uh, the idea of trauma-informed care and the ACEs study, things like that, that um, are passion buttons for me because of what I teach and what I have been teaching through ASU. And uh, so my um, well, I think that's incredible, yeah. Jeremiah, because I've talked to many gamers over the years. When you've been doing this, when you've been running games for 30 years, you meet lots and lots of people, especially, you know, I went to conventions. I belong to uh, a, a local gaming club that uh, had 30 to 40 members each year. And, you know, gamers are kind of transient in the fact that, you know, schedules change and life changes and you can't always be there. So those gamers, they came and went. But in all the gamers that I've met, many said that they stumbled upon tabletop role-playing games, Dungeons and Dragons, and it helped them with some kind of underlying issue like you're talking about, whether it was depression, whether it was um, trauma, Uh, And we hear these stories over and over again about how in tabletop role-playing games, not only the game itself, but the camaraderie that comes along with it helped them through those difficult times and those challenges and those hurdles in life. And when you look at that and you say, gosh, they stumbled upon it. They were fortunate. They were lucky. They were blessed to be able to bump into this hobby and the idea that you're going to channel that harness it and direct it towards people who will benefit from it um, is incredible it's it's a fantastic idea and i we can't wait to hear about how it all works out and how it develops and what comes next from it all and it's just it's just great and we're hoping that we're hoping that your work helps the people sure. that it needs to help. Um, well, so but part of this is that I, I, I'm working on a couple of projects to do so with sort of some targeted approaches though. Mm-hmm. And so right now I have three projects that are in the works that I'm hoping to use as a platform to help in that regard. The first one is I'm, I have written a book. And I'm hoping to gather enough of, uh, of an audience or, or some some semblance of people who care uh, to to put a uh, proposal together to uh, get to a publisher to get it published. I've got a second book that the outline's done and the the manuscript is well on its way. Um, but so books are are great because they're a way for me to really kind of share my my knowledge and experience of. 20 years running games of being an educator in the social services field for five years about having, um, you know, the experience that I do with uh, family members with, that have, you know, mental health concerns and, you know, my, my own experiences as a father, as a husband, and as a family man, as a community lay leader, and some of these other pieces here. Um, but it's not, it's not real time. It's just something I've been working on in my little world for the last couple of years. 
So what I've done recently, especially with the advent of COVID-19 and the massive amounts of social isolation and physical distancing, and notice how I use those specifically, that we, we need connections in other ways. And so I don't know if this is sort of an appropriate platform to, to state this or not, but um, I'm inspired by those that came before me, such as the educational DM, such as the geek preacher, and these littler guys that they may have a couple thousand followers, uh, D&D Adventures for Kids, can't go without mention Cam. And so um, where I was inspired by them to do something similar. And so at Mindful DM on Facebook, I'm going to be sharing mental health resources to those that are using stories to help themselves and to guide them and to direct them to appropriate conversations to be had not as a professional therapist or anything like that, but as somebody who says, hey, I know a little bit about this. Here's something you could ask somebody about to find out if you need to know more. And then also to go on the other side to people that talk about mental health and people that use um, any kind of uh, platform like social emotional learning or educational curriculum to say, hey, you know, collaborative gaming or collaborative storytelling is an option to help you with students that maybe you've had trouble reaching Maybe they need to be reached in a different way. And so the idea of education, social services, therapeutic and clinical work, uh, all coming together, especially from the social emotional development of children into adulthood, um, where we all have this sort of risk of trauma and this risk of, well, growth <laughs> where we can have and, and have all that come together, but to be supported from an underlying um, platform using collaborative storytelling games such as Dungeons and Dragons and those inspired by it. Fantastic, Jeremiah. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing, for your contribution to the gaming community. Um, and we're going to direct people to Mindful DM. And I hope that it helps people that are listening and people who are uh, connected to the people listening. So thank you again, for being on Raised on D&D. Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. And uh, we're wishing you all the best in your endeavors. Same, and uh, stay safe. Thank you too.